Do you hear that? That is snow. There is actually a layer of about five inches of snow here. And it's beautiful dry snow. It sounds weird to say dry snow, but it's not the kind of muddy mess that we normally have here in the Netherlands. But this is real snow. We're in the middle of a cold spell that is extraordinary. It's been years since I... Oops, what was that? Oh, birds <laughs> freaking out because I was podcasting. It's been years since we had temperatures this cold. Tonight, according to the weather forecast, temperatures will drop to minus 20, which is usually around the time that in... Uh, in Canada, they will stop wearing uh, shorts and t-shirts in the streets. But here in the Netherlands, <laughs> it's unbelievably cold. And what is super exciting for, for all of us is that a lot of the canals and the lakes and the rivers are freezing over. In some cities, they actually even closed the, the access to the waters. It's still used quite a bit in um for for transport so they they close off uh waterways so that it can freeze over so that you know tomorrow and during the weekend people can actually go out and skate there's this big big historical event skate event um that um i don't know how long it exists but it is one of the most gruesome um skating events on on a natural ice where um, the participants will go from town to town in the north of the Netherlands. So they call it the Tour of Eleven Cities. And, uh, well, it's uh, probably here in the center. It's much colder than up in the north. Uh, but there are still people talking about, well, maybe this year. Because it's been many, many years. I can't even re recall the last time that that actually that it was freezing enough for all these these uh rivers and and waterways between these cities to freeze over but the problem of course is we're in the middle of a of a pandemic and so even though everyone would love to see um this this event um it's going to be almost impossible to organize it um while maintaining social distancing on the ice, that's probably possible to keep a distance because the Netherlands is, uh, especially out on the countryside, it's very it's wide open. But it's the organization that is really difficult. This, this is a huge event, also a media event, where you need hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of professionals filming everything, helicopter shots. Oh, look at the beautiful sunset here. Oh, this is wonderful. So, so I'm, I'm walking through the snow now. The sun is this has been a clear day, blue skies, fluffy clouds, and now the sun is lowering and you've got this beautiful golden glow over the ice. And the contrast with the blue shadows where the sun can't reach is amazing. I can see traces here of birds that have been walking around in the snow. So, ah, uh, oh, this is gorgeous weather. And, well, you may be able to tell from my voice, I'm feeling pretty good today. Um, 
and uh, this is absolutely thanks to hold on let me just go to the left here it's a bit busy people are coming home from work and I have to be careful because here on the pavement on the streets everything's clear they uh, they used salt to uh, uh, to make sure that you know cars can drive but here on the pavement nothing has been done and after a couple of days because people are walking on the pavement uh, the snow starts to solidify and get ice which may actually be very slippery so let's not break any bones during this walk um, so the reason that I'm feeling so good is that I finally have some margin some leeway I think I mentioned this before uh, they're currently repeating uh, episodes that I filmed in various parts of the world China, Ireland, um, France next week I think so I have a couple of weeks without a deadline and uh, the difference is, is immense it's only now that I realize how hard I've been working in the first part of the, of the new year and how unhealthy that is let's be honest and so the, the trick for me is to make sure that I don't fall behind anymore. And that requires me to do two things. The first one is to take advantage of this time without deadlines, to get as much sleep as I can, to live a very regular life. And in that respect, the new schedule that I've been following since the beginning of this year has been extremely beneficial. It's part of the post-COVID recovery. But this is something that I hope I can maintain even way beyond the recovery. And that is to work in chunks of two hours and then take about 20 minutes to a half an hour of rest, get up from the chair and uh, drink something or take a walk or something like that and then continue for another two hours, take another break, lunchtime, etc., and uh, up until now, I've been working about six hours per day and also taking a few days off. Um, and I'm slowly kind of building that up again to, uh, to a regular eight-hour workday. But I'm not in a hurry, and I don't need to, because um, I've tried to slim down my uh, activities to what is essential. And... Uh, uh, I can already tell the difference. Because so much more, uh, it's I don't know. It's calmer and it's, it's easier every day. I just know what I need to do instead of having constantly this nagging feeling in the back of my mind, like oh, I'm behind on this. I I should do that. Um, this whole process of recovery has, I think, helped me to to just reorganize the way in which I work and live and focus more. I'm going to put my left hand in my pocket. I only have one glove. <laughs> and so, and that's the right hand. And for some reason I was holding the microphone in my left hand, which has no glove. And so it was uh, getting cold. Uh, but I, I, I really like the current work rhythm. And what is so interesting I get way more done than when I used to work like 10 hours or 12 hours per day because of the focus, I think. And it's a bit... Have you ever heard of the tomato... Yeah, I think it's the tomato method. 
where I don't know why it's called tomato method, but you focus in these chunks of time. So you set a timer, you work, I think it's like 20 minutes, and then you take a short mini break, and then you work another 20 minutes, and it's like you're not allowed to stop working or lose focus during these, you know, uh, during these these uh, chunks of, 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 of work time. But because you've got all those micro breaks, it's much easier to... Uh, you know to stay productive and i think that these two hour chunks of work um have a bit of the same effect it's enough time to get into a flow which for creative work is uh, very beneficial i see lots of kids playing here with their sleighs and moms and grandparents pulling them along even some brave people on their bikes through the snow I don't think I would dare that but anyway so having more focus and also limiting myself to my my core business in a certain way um, is having a tremendous positive effect on how I feel oh wow look at that there are like 50 kids there slaying down this slope next to the highway so the highway goes over a bridge here or um, actually, I'm going underneath the highway, and so they created an artificial slope on both sides of the of, of where I'm walking here. And these kids are taking their sleighs up the hill, and then they go down. And some of them are not even using a, a real sleigh; they have what looks like a like an oversized um, like piece of plastic with a handle that's <laughs> sitting on that. Wow. I'm very glad for the kids because they've, they've been going through so much in this corona crisis. Not being able to go to school. Oh, what was that? <laughs> I think someone... Was this on purpose? I like, get like a huge chunk of snow on my head. I'm glad I'm wearing this. Hold on, it's even on the microphone. <sighs> I'm just going to blow it off a little bit. <laughs> this is crazy. So I was walking underneath this bridge. Maybe it just fell off because of the traffic, but it could also be that the kid would just threw a snowball at me. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, my entire head is covered in snow now. Okay. Dangerous podcasting circumstances. <laughs> well, anyway. So, um, what was I saying? I don't recall. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, yes, the kids... Uh, they've been forced to uh, to follow lessons online via Zoom. And uh, just the other day, I was talking uh, with the uh, uh, young person who's still in, I think he's still in secondary school from Belgium, and he told me that, uh, you know, just sitting in front of that computer all day long and following all the lessons and courses while the webcam is on it is exhausting and it's boring and it's really not fun so I'm thinking these kids thanks to the winter weather finally get some you know some time off and enjoy the winter weather I think they more they deserve it more than ever and for now it is going to stay at least another week across the road here 
and I'm I'm also well at first I was a little bit bothered by the fact that um, it would take quite a while for uh, for the snow to uh, to go away because of course I'm I'm uh, I'm gearing up to I'm ramping up to the work on the the TV show the filming and the episodes that I'm going to film now are going to be aired much later so I think the first one will be aired around four, is it 14 March 14 so it's likely that we won't have snow and ice anymore so if I film it now it immediately becomes clearer that this was this this was filmed you know it, it, during the winter weather but um, then I thought well you know what I'm not going to hide that it's winter. I'm just going to take... I'm going to use it as a feature. And so I just got off a phone call with uh, someone I'm going to interview in the town of... in the city of Schiedam, which is uh, uh, near the Hague, Rotterdam, that area. And actually quite close to where I grew up, in the town of Bleiswijk. And so uh, that is a city with a very ancient medieval history and one of the highlights of the history is a saint uh, Saint Lidwina and she is one of the rare saints from the Middle Ages that was not a nun or an uh, um, what is a religious uh, sister but just a regular girl and when she was 15 during the winter she uh, went on the she went out on the ice there's a big river uh, near the city and with a, a couple of uh, friends of hers and then she slipped and she uh, she got hurt and then she didn't get better because the, she developed an infection and back then they were unable to cure that but the infection just continued to rage for years and so she never got out of bed anymore and at first for her, it was it was horrific. I can imagine being 15, and from one day to another, you end up handicapped in a bed, unable to take care of yourself, with all your friends playing outside and living in their lives, and your future is completely destroyed. And uh, the local priest visited her and uh, recommended something very pious, you know, unify your suffering with the suffering of Christ and uh, being 15 she was like okay I'll say a prayer and then uh, that didn't really help so she's like whatever <laughs> and she was very resentful and frustrated and fighting the consequences of her of her accident uh, fighting it mentally not not being able to reconcile and she was grumpy towards people and uh, uh, it, it, just what I'm just sharing here I already find that so refreshing <laughs> that we have a saint who's actually not starting off like super pious and holy and always praying, but just a regular girl who sees her future being destroyed and then not being able to cope with that. And it's only over the years, with the help of a spiritual director, that she was able to start to embrace her situation in life. Oops, I almost slipped here. This is where normally I walk, where you have all the mud, and now it's uh, frozen. So the 
path here is not very regular. I'll be careful. Maybe I should slow down a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why I'm walking so fast. It's my, it's the old Father Roderick that my physical therapist warned me against. She said he's going to pop up and as soon as he feels a little bit better, he's going to go full speed again. So try to half it a little bit. 50%, not 110. Okay, so um, so over time, she, she really started to grow in holiness. And in the end, actually was, was, saw her, her fall on the ice as a gift. And uh, many people came to visit her. Uh, she had also some visions and dreams. And uh, the, uh, the result of the people visiting her was always that they, they left cheered up and, and uh, joyful and encouraged. And so despite the fact that she herself was in a very precarious situation health-wise and she must have suffered quite a bit because of this open wound that just had ugh, I'll spare you the details but there are descriptions that are quite horrific just imagine no medication and you've got an open wound and hygiene was not the same as nowadays uh, poor girl but apparently despite her situation she was able to encourage people and to teach them from her own experience what you have to do, what you can do when you're suffering and that it's not necessarily the end of everything I, th- I find that a fascinating story and so she uh, ended up the patron saint of the skaters in Poland or well, we'll just adopt it, we need a patron saint for skaters in this country as well and uh, and for more than six centuries there have been pilgrimages processions her her remains are are kept in uh, in Skidom in the in the basilica so John Paul II created the basilica or made the local central church of basilica because of the veneration for Lidwina so that's what I'm going to film Friday this Friday and it will still be snowy. Well, it will still be white. Weather is going to be great. Uh, there will be probably also ice. This is an, an, an old town, so they have canals, and it's pretty likely that they will be frozen over. So I think, you know, <laughs> it's actually going to be visually super interesting. Uh, am I going to the right here? Yes, I'm going to the right. The sun is setting. Actually, well, maybe that's not a smart idea because then I end up in a small town, uh, but there's a lot of traffic there, so that's not going to be easy on the ears. Instead, I'll just go to the left and walk through the woods here and do my regular my regular tour. Oh, everything is so gorgeous at this hour of the day. Look at the skies over there, glowing in, in, in this golden sunlight. The clouds are lit from 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 under from the underside, so they have this nice golden fringe, and then it slowly goes from orange to blue. Ah, love, love, love winter weather. And so uh, 
that will be the first time since I got corona that I'm out filming again. Um, it's a bit of a... Well, it's not a risk. I know what I'm doing and I feel good. But it is. it remains to be seen um, how much energy it will take. So, uh, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. What I Ideally, I'd film uh, two or three episodes per week in the next four weeks. So that by the end of this month... Well, actually, it will go into March... I will have filmed everything for the new season. It's a it's a big challenge, but I think it's the right thing to do if, of course, I can handle it energy-wise. But I I have I'm 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 in good spirits. I think this will this will work. And then what I'll have is just a huge pile of footage and uh, the editing, of course, is something I can do myself, and I can also outsource it to uh, people that I normally work with. But it it will um, alleviate my the pressure on, uh, uh, on on the months to come, which in turn will then free me up to uh, spend more time working on the preparation for the next half of the year, which of course is going to be uh hopefully <laughs> uh working on some bigger documentaries and hopefully of course because i don't know what uh what the situation will be in a few months from now i i don't think that we will be completely corona free uh and especially north america even the you know dr fauci and other scientists over there uh they don't think that there will be herd immunity um, anytime soon in in the U.S., even though they're making good progress with the vaccinations. There are still too many people that are not vaccinated or don't want to get vaccinated, uh, and that prevents herd immunity uh, to occur. And until it's really safe to travel, of course, I can't really go there. But maybe in the countries, in the European countries here, um, things will... will start to loosen up a bit sooner. I truly hope so. It would be wonderful if I could uh, film uh, at least during the summertime. That is just one of those. Last year, it was also in the summer, it was, it was pretty safe to, to travel. And uh, now, of course, it will probably even get better. But that would that would be my dream, to take two months... And uh, and really make a good, uh, you know, nice first documentary. I haven't decided what I'm going to tackle first, but uh, but I I'm looking forward to finally kind of spread my wings, and um, also looking at uh, what what do I need in order to get to the next level, because I know where I want to end up, and I shared that with you. Something that you could show on Netflix and that uh, meets the requirements for Netflix prep. What is that? <laughs> no way. That is too funny. Do you know what I'm looking at? No, of course not. You're listening to this. So I'm walking here through the woods. I don't even know if I'm walking on a path because everything is covered in snow. But then I got, I see two trees with smiley face. No, three trees with smiley faces. <laughs> 
God, this is so funny. So I guess kids took snow and they created smiley. I need to take a big picture of this. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> and the snow apparently sticks to the trees. I don't know how. Uh, but it is too funny. You got like emojis in the in the woods. Ah, how symbolic. The road ahead smiling at me. Uh, let me take my camera here and see if I can take a picture. This is going to go on on Instagram. It's too funny. All right, I need to get closer, of course. Phone always needs a little... <laughs> I don't know. This is just hilarious to me. Okay, let's go a little bit lower. Keep that centered. <laughs> oh man. Little things are just gonna take one in a vertical way. There's something goofy about these smiling trees here. So they got a mouth, a nose, and then two eyes. And they even put uh nuts in the eyes. So it's it's really it's pretty elaborate actually. Let me see if I can take another picture just of one one of these faces. Uh, okay, maybe I'll just take the other one as well in the background so you see a little bit the context of this. Okay. Love it. <laughs> oh, this one has ears. Or or maybe sideburns. I guess these are snow sideburns. <laughs> this one actually looks even funnier. Okay, let's take the picture of that because this is going to be gone tomorrow. You got to love the creativity of people. And this this one has has eyebrows. So every this has been this one is probably a little bit older because the snow is already slightly melting a bit it looks like it's melting oh this is a nice picture here love it this one almost looks like a father christmas all right let's see i'm using this uh, google app it's uh, the photo app that you normally get on the pixel phones you know the made, made by google phones uh but uh people have adapted the code and made it uh, available for other phones as well and what I like about it ew, this is this <laughs> I'm not going to take a picture of that here on my left is the infamous yellow snow <laughs> I guess one of the kids uh, uh, had a little you know emergency <laughs> don't eat the yellow snow oh boy um, and now I lost my train of thought. It's probably not important. <laughs> the app was uh, was like they, they created a fork, so I can run it on my phone. It's not very fast, but it's doing a lot of computational photography similar to what the iPhones can do. And so, even when you're in tricky situations, like right now, sun is setting, so you get this uh, kind of very cold light, and not much contrast, but it's a massive difference 
if I take a picture with this uh, Google app or with the standard app on, on the phone. And, of course, the lenses are the same and everything, so it's the computational photography that uh, makes the difference. Oh, I was talking about the equipment, so knowing where I want to go and then uh, trying to think backwards. Well, what do I need to get to that level? Uh, I'm also thinking of uh, maybe uh, take another step equipment-wise. So far, I've been always working with Canon uh, cameras, and they're wonderful and tiny and uh, extremely versatile. Um, I got two of those. But uh, they are not approved for Netflix. Um, you need something way more uh, more expensive, <laughs> but also more powerful. Um, and I want to I want to make the move to 4K, which is going to be um, challenging not just for the camera itself, uh, but also for the computer. So right now I'm uh, editing always on a I think two three year old computer. Um, and it's it's astonishing how quickly the uh, demands for computing power have increased. So I'm currently looking into these new uh, M1 apples, the the um, the MacBook uh, with the their own chip architecture. I've, I've, I was uh, quite stunned to see that Adobe has already got some betas running that are made native for those new processors and apparently it's blazingly fast they still might be a bit buggy but i hope that in a few months time when i will need to kind of make that purchase that will be more stable and i'll be able to uh, to also do the post-processing in 4k um so yeah it's exciting it's really exciting and um we had a board meeting the other day kind of talking about our plans for uh, for for this year and right before i had a pretty long talk hey i've never seen this path before let me go in here like i was about to cross the road there but maybe i'm just gonna follow this path which may have been created just by pedestrians oh i don't think it's gonna go very far because i can see the road through the branches of the trees here Oh, well. Um, I had a, a long talk with, uh, with Inge, uh, the producer or the community manager, and uh, we uh, both concluded that we, uh, we, we, we have many reasons to, to even, you know, simplify even more what we do. Or it's not simplifying, but it's just choosing choosing what are we doing this year what are we going to focus on and our guiding principle is much more than ever before um, does it yield results does it help people do we get feedback is this so it's not just about numbers sometimes it's not even about numbers but it is about the the actual impact of what we do and in the past, we've often invested in ideas where it's just, oh, that would be so cool, without really knowing if we were the only ones or I was the only one thinking that. Um, but now we, uh, we, we get 
m- way more feedback. I think this is also because we emphasize the community more. So and the patrons are, in that respect, uh, a fantastic asset because they give us feedback on a daily basis. Not just very specific feedback on videos or uh, podcasts, but also because of the conversations in the Discord community of the patrons, we kind of get a much better grip on who we are making this for. And uh, I'm, I'm stunned to get to know uh, these, these patrons uh, so much better, um, but also to discover... Um, the, the diversity in, in background, in education, in hobbies, and it it's, makes it more, uh, it makes it easier for me to um, decide what to focus on and what to let go. All right, now it's time to cross the road here. Let's walk up the hill. And. There is a group of cars passing by, and then another one from the right. I'll just wait here. The sun is now gone. Uh, even more cars. So this is definitely the hour that people come home from work. They always try to have a little bit more time, that's what I meant, to cross the road, because you can't really... Some of these cars are going way too fast. But it's also, you know, if I if you fall with this, the ice and snow, uh, I'd be dead. Anyway, I'm not a fan of, of cars. <laughs> Not when I'm podcasting, because they're noisy <coughs> and they're a liability. Well, probably I am the liability, but never mind. So um, uh, so here's what we, we <coughs> ended up with, deciding what we're going to do. Uh, I think there are four projects or four main areas of interest where we will focus our efforts. Uh, the first one is, of course, what we're, what you're currently listening to. It's everything that is connected to Father Roderick, um, which is, you know, a a, a collection of things. It's, of course, the social media channels, uh, the YouTube channels, the podcasts. But the unifying theme is it is uh, it's what I've been doing for years. This is how I build up uh, the community. And so that, of course, has to stay number one. The second uh, focus this year is going to be the migration from television productions made for the Dutch, for a Dutch audience or Dutch-speaking audience, uh, and move that in the course of the summer towards the similar productions, a little bit, uh, probably a a bit longer and um, less uh, episodic in a certain way. Uh, for the international community. So that is going to be gradual process. I don't think I'm going to immediately produce uh, like uh, 
90 minutes of of Netflix quality, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna move towards that gradually. Um, but that for me is a vital uh, change and move that we have to make, and we need to focus on it um, because it's uh, it's been in my head. Of, you you heard me talk about this for years. Um, and I'm very tenacious when it comes to these ideas. I have this in my mind. This is my long-term goal. I will get there. But sometimes you have these, this momentum where uh, it is just seize the opportunity or lose it forever. That's how I feel this year. Uh, I know that everything is changing. My, my current work... Uh, is is going to change. So now I need. I want to take the decision. I want to determine what I'm going to do. It's also, of course, a bit risky because these the the higher you aim, um, the the more risks you take in a certain way. So for these documentaries, um, the question is going to be uh, how to make sure that uh, we can still pay all the bills. Because my television work generated like a steady income for to cover uh, my costs and uh, salary of Inge and the production costs, etc. But of course, that's going to fall away. That's going to be just half of what it uh, yielded last year. And so, for the second half, I need to figure out ways to um, to keep that level to to make sure that we don't get in a situation where we will end up with no reserves whatsoever and no abilities. But I'm confident. I'm, I'm very confident that what I do is uh, good enough to get people excited, <laughs> both uh, the people that are going to watch it and also people that may want to help me create these documentaries. The third project is uh, a, a more limited project, uh, that is, uh, oh, wait a minute. Have I missed? No, I think the, like, it's so weird because of the snow. I can't see the path. So I'm wondering, am I just losing my way here in the woods or am I still following the path? I think, I think I'm still on the path. Anyway, uh, it's a uh, catechesis project that I developed well, at least half an, half a year ago. No, earlier. I started to experiment with this in um, in March already, I think. March and April. Yes, I know. I remember now. It was before Easter. And the churches were closed. And, uh, of course, we couldn't receive anyone. Uh, especially the families. The schools were closed. So families were in lockdown. And I was thinking about the kids and about the transmission of faith and all these children that were preparing for their first communion. All that got cancelled and postponed. But it's very difficult for parents. It's already, in, in, the cur- in a regular situation, it's difficult for modern parents to transmit the faith to their children, let alone if the churches are closed and you don't get any help. So that's how I started to... Uh, make videos like funny stories with animals basically just uh toy animals that i bought at the local toy store um 
I remember that they could only allow like two people inside. So I had to wait and then quickly grab whatever I could find, like a tiger and a flamingo and a penguin. And I was like, I'll figure out a story later on. There's <laughs> no planning. But, uh, but I enjoyed the process. And this was something that I think uh, kind of joined a, a, an old aspiration when I was still in in primary school even i was an avid reader and i loved the more the fantasy stories the fairy tales and i remember that as a young child i i dreamed of becoming a writer a children's book writer and one of the quite arrogant reasons for that was that i didn't like a lot of the children's books I thought this is this is not a good story. I could do better. You know, when I get when I'm older, I will write children's books that children will actually enjoy. Well, we know how I how that ended. <laughs> But in a way, telling you know, coming up with ideas for funny stories that are also educational, it is something that has always kind of been in my blood and. Um, I do that with the Lego videos, uh, but that's super simple. But now I'm working with uh, uh, a, a parishioner of mine um, who has also been. She, she uh, was the editor and the publisher of my um, of my book in the Netherlands. So I wrote a book years ago in English called Geek Priest, and it was uh, um, a bit the story of my life so far and how I was using popular media and uh, movies and that sort of stuff to uh, build a bridge between the culture of faith and the culture that most of us live in. That was uh, updated and enhanced and translated in Dutch, and she was the publisher. But uh, she has a huge experience in uh, writing books and illustrating them. But uh, uh, I, I was... Thinking along, what would, what would it do, or how do I say this? Um, imagine that you have a puppet series about the Catholic faith, for meant for parents and their children to help them with religious education, but it would be with the quality of of the Muppet Show and uh, Sesame Street. You would have like puppets like that, stories that are really well told and fun and, and with humor. There is no such thing. Uh, in, the, in the Protestant churches, they have uh, some examples. Some are actually quite well produced um, and others are a bit more uh, amateur-like. Uh, but there's nothing really of any size when it comes to Catholic religious education. So I set out to form a project around that. And my ideal was, at first I was just thinking in terms of, uh, we'll just use slightly upgraded versions of the of the toy puppets that I was using myself. But then I'm thinking, well, no, why not just go for the for the Sesame Street look, for the Muppet look? There is something universal, and it's not really patented, um, and it's something that is recognizable. You, you see a, something that looks like a Muppet, and you think, oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, 
well, that's what I hope will happen with this project. But, of course, because of corona, um, all the plans had to be modified and we needed to reschedule. But we recently started it up again. And right now we're aiming for... This is so new for me. We're aiming for to launch this after the summer holidays. That is, for me, groundbreaking. Normally when I have an idea, I want it up and running the next day. And I have very little patience. The di- and I also have another huge defect, and that is once it's launched, I get bored and <laughs> abandon the project and I want to start something new. So I've got a very limited creative attention span. This time, with this project, we're literally um, building it up for months um, as a professional, fully funded project instead of just a wild idea that I have and, and start messing around. A little bit what I do now with the Lego. That is just the category of messing around. And it's just, you know, I enjoy it, but it's really not not what it could be if this were a real project. So anyway, that's why Lego is still classified as a, a hobby thing. It's not even on our list of projects. But the puppet series, that is something uh, that uh, is going to require months of work. But I'm stoked. And you know what's funny? Uh, in our last conversation, uh, she came up with the idea of why don't we create a Father Roderick Muppet? Literally. Just a priest that looks like a character from The Muppet Show. And I saw some designs. And it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. So I'll have my own Muppet avatar. Um, and, and it will allow me also to... Um, we, could, we can produce, eat more easily. Because I can just be myself. I don't have to play a character. Which sometimes also gets cringy. We'll see. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about that project. Now I'm trying to wreck my brain what the fourth project was. It's on my phone. But it's a bad sign that I can't even recall what it was. It means that it probably also has to go. It's not the social media. It's uh, it's not the... What was it? Documentaries? TV? Podcasts? Hmm. Puppets? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what it was. Anyway. Um... But what I do know is what are we going to drop? Um, and the first thing that uh, will 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 park is oh I know what the fourth one is. Of course, it's so obvious, but it's in a totally different category. I was thinking what what program were we going to make? But the fourth and it's vital is the community around the 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 masses, the online masses. The Mass for Geeks, that has been, I think, one of the most exciting things that we've developed. Not so much because it's a mass on TV, on you know, on YouTube, uh, because there are countless of those. But what I like is the kind of angle that we found, combining popular culture and taking all the examples from from geek culture. That's pretty unique, and uh, and then the community that just was there and 
and was extremely um, uh, connected and enthusiastic and prayerful and uh, supportive also of one another. It's just a lot. It's not very big as an initiative. It's certainly not for everyone. It's very niche. It's a niche of a niche. But it's a pretty impressive niche. Um, I'm impressed by the quality of the of the of the connections that are forming around that initiative. So that is something that we will continue to grow this year. And I'm already thinking ahead uh, when this community needs more of this of <laughs> in the same genre. Then we can maybe also literally have not formulated in any other way that if there are um, similar demands or needs in that community then we may be able to develop something and I was thinking more specifically about um, spiritual uh, things like a retreat or a pilgrimage you know it's the old idea that I had like what if uh, instead of going with a group to Rome or Lourdes or all these places that you can't go to right now because of the pandemic. What if you can do that virtually and you can just form a group of people and thanks to all the technology that we have, we can still bring people along and do something more than just sightseeing or a homily on, in, on, on, on video, but to do really turn that into a life-changing event. I was inspired by the stories that I heard about uh, uh, the uh, motivational speakers. Uh, a guy like Tony Robbins, of course, his whole business model is kind of based on these huge meetings where people are paying a, a, a pretty high entry fee and for a week they sit together, dance, uh, walk over burning coals and whatnot. Um, of course, that is impossible, and it will probably remain impossible for months to come. But they come up with these virtual ways of do, or digital ways to do that, and you can group people together. I, I see a lot of innovation in that area, and I'm thinking, whoa, that would be so cool to to develop that. And even with the masses, just of what we're doing right now, I think that we still can make so many improvements that will enhance uh, the experience I don't know, I don't have all the answers but I'm, I want to put it on our short list of things that we are focusing on so we can really focus on it one of, one of the um, issues that we ran into last year is because that was such a crazy year of constant adaptation uh we could we we were just scrambling we were just doing whatever we could but hardly could recover every time um but whereas now if you make this a real priority and you invest in it i think we can uh, we can really uh improve the the experience and uh, and help the community all right so I, again, I'm, more, I'm walking way too fast. I don't know why. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's cold and then I get this uh, reflex of speeding up. But I'm getting out of breath. 
It's also because I'm talking and navigating the snow. And I still, like, this is harder to walk on the snow because it's uneven. And, uh, and I don't want to fall down and slip. So those are the four main categories. And because it's just four things, and it's already a lot. Like the board was, so you're going to continue these podcasts and everything? In, in addition to making Netflix-worthy documentaries? And the masses every weekend? Is this even feasible? Well, it's, it's not even half of what we did last year. So yes, I think it's feasible. But it will require constant vigilance that we don't overdo it and that we uh, uh, constantly uh, say no to whatever um, you know would be nice but is not absolutely essential and is not a deli- very deliberate choice of, our, of ours. Um, and we'll see how it develops. The... Uh, uh, what else? What was I going to say? Hmm. It escapes me. I don't know. I just forgot what I was going to say. The, but I'm very happy with the support of the board on this. Um, the, oh, yeah. I was and now I remember I was mentioning the things that we are letting go. Um, so no more crazy spur of the moment ideas uh, without a budget, without a plan. Uh, everything needs to to be carefully selected. And uh, and worked out. So and even planning wise, uh, in the morning when I do my journaling, I try to be as realistic as possible. And even then, I still overestimate what I can get done in a day. So it will. But I'm I, at least I know I'm much more aware now of the things I write down because in the evening, I look back at the things I jotted down in the morning, and every day I have to tell myself. You see, you were being too optimistic. This will take more time. And then that's only the list that I had already carefully selected among the priorities that I... the long-term priorities. So, I hope that I will get better over time at estimating what it takes. But then the chances that things get done, what I said at the beginning of this walk, uh, I can already tell the difference. I get much more done because of that focus because of limiting myself so yeah I'm a happy camper in that respect another uh, uh, thing that we're going to drop entirely is the specific productions for the Dutch audiences being a television personality in the Netherlands um, on national TV has always kind of kept me in this mode of I need to do something for the Dutch and uh, also being tied to the parishes, every weekend I have to focus on my Dutch audience. And, for, and even because of my, my appointment, my previous appointment, where I had to divide my time and energy over both media work for local media, Dutch media, international media, and the parish. So that's three areas of, of work. Um, I felt that in the plans that I made I always had to balance that as well so uh, two years ago you may remember if you're a long time listener we were uh, trying to build up 
a Dutch Catholic network called Catholic Today with uh, productions that were specifically geared towards the, the audience that was watching my TV shows. And the, the, the reasons for that were, were uh, various. First of all, of course, you want to help people to live out their Catholic faith. And uh, this being a small country with a Catholic church that is uh, uh, in crisis and is shrinking extremely rapidly, I felt that media could be the best way to help that demographic. This was also a few years ago, way before the streaming revolution. There was only a mass on TV every Sunday, and that was it. There were almost no churches streaming their liturgy. It sounds crazy, but that is actually just two years ago. Um, and I felt that with the experience that I had, I could, I could do some... What is that? Oh, it's a big truck. Probably a, a snowman crossing the road or something like that. <laughs> anyway, the, um, uh, the, the second reason was uh, I, I, I had doubts that in the near future we would still have Catholic programming on TV because of the way society is, uh, is changing and demographics are changing and the Catholic community is, uh, is, is already a minority but it's only going to disappear uh, faster in the years to come. So I felt... We, we, we may need to make a transition from reaching our Dutch audience via TV and radio and move online, podcasting, YouTube, whatnot. Another reason was that I felt like it is one of the, one of the reasons that, I, that I'm allowed to do this work is because I make specifically you know specific dutch programs so even though it's it's not my main focus and it's not my natural habitat because i'm much more at ease in in the you know the world uh of, of the the geeks and the international uh community i still felt it was my obligation to um to to apply my knowledge and my experience to the to, for a dutch audience because otherwise they will ask, well, you know, what's the point? Uh, why only international productions? Uh, that's not why Father Roderick is a Dutch priest. And so it was maybe also part of the motivation for me to build up that whole idea of starting a uh, Catholic network was built on that idea that I need to constantly prove that I'm useful that's it. I need to be useful for the Catholic Church, for the bishops. Otherwise, they're gonna <laughs> they're not gonna support me anymore. But that, of course, has now completely changed in many ways. The first, most important one for me is that my bishop has given me carte blanche for whatever I want to do, be it national or international on TV, online. Um. He's, he trusts me enough to tell me, you can work in the media for 100% of your time. You can make your own decisions. We're not going to tell you where you have to assist. Uh, make your own choices. 
that, of course, is a huge, huge opportunity. But it also uh, and this is only something that I realized when we were go or when we were going over the projects that we did last year. Thinking, well, you know what? That vote of confidence is enough for me to no longer, you know, struggle to cater to two worlds because it often feels like two worlds. The target audiences for the things that I do in English are completely separate from the target audience of my Dutch productions. I know this from television because, of course, we have the, well, not Nielsen ratings, but we have everything is measured. I know that most people that watch my TV program are uh, in their 70s and 80s. Uh, the majority is female. Um, so we're talking grandparents, and there's nothing wrong with that audience. But it's completely different. Well, not entirely different. I know that some of you listening to me are also grandparents. But the majority of the community is younger and is also way more diverse. Because it's not just elderly people that watch my TV show, but they're also usually very close uh, closely linked to their local church and active in the in in the in the faith, which is not the case with my international community. So it always felt like I'm a little bit uh, between two worlds, and that is why it has always been so difficult to 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 translate uh, the things that I was doing in one world to the other. I tried several times i i remember uh proposing uh doing a, a tv episode about the fantasy fairs that i went to about star wars and every time the reaction was the same not the reaction of my viewers but of the people that i answer to I'm like no this is not what we want this is not why you are why your show is on tv uh, you really have to stay close to what the audience, what your target audience is asking. And uh, the geeky stuff, it's just so... out. It's not part of the world of most of your viewers, so that's not going to work. So you you've, you see, I, I understand the, the, <laughs> the Dutch uh, target audience, because that is the majority of people that I had in church every Sunday. That's exactly the reason that I work in media, is to go beyond that audience and to go beyond the the doors of the church. So it always felt, and the same is true about my appointment in the parish, that I was with one foot in one world and one foot in the other world. And I know where my heart truly was and is. It's outside the, the, the dwindling uh, Catholic community that still goes to church. I'm much more, and I, I think I gr- I've grown into uh, more of a, of a missionary. I, I feel challenged to go outside the comfort zone of the Catholic Church and to connect and form community and also learn and listen to the world out there. I think that's the, where we should go as a church. Um, but you can't do both. And that's so. I was realizing that a lot of the projects that I started in the past and invested in heavily. I mean, this Catholic network. We hired a full-time, well, not full-time, but we hired someone for several days a week. Uh, we had another person also working half-time for us, just to make to make that possible. And 
uh, in the meantime, the world changed very rapidly. First of all, we noticed that no matter how how much how much you invest in this type of programming, and I think that we did some pretty high profile, high quality productions. It's not. There is no. There is no interest. The people that were discovering it were. That was such a small group that it absolutely did not. Uh, did not work. It just didn't get any traction. Let alone, you know, it being self-sufficient financially. It just didn't work. And the reason is, of course, this, this older group of of uh, still uh, people that are going to church. That is also the group that is under uh, represented, represented on social media, on YouTube, the places where we we publish our material. So that was one thing. We also noticed very quickly that the Netherlands is too small for our ambitions. You know, you can make a TV. I'm I'm lucky to be on TV, so that I have a lot of people that just sit in front of their TV and watch this channel. They don't choose my program they're just watching this channel i'm back home here let me go around the house and enter through the kitchen so uh anyway there are lots of reasons why we stopped that last year at the beginning of the year and uh now i'm even at the point that i'm thinking we just need to park this this is not if we if we it's like well, we have this cool domain name and we we have we've built up so much are you just going to throw that away? No, we're just going to park it right now. But investing even a little bit in it will take our eyes off the ball. And it also, I think, obfuscates the the true motivation. Or the true motivation. I think it's important for me to be clear about my motivation and the audience that I'm choosing to cater to. And that is an audience that understands English and that is also a Dutch audience. It's a much younger audience. That's a fun thing. That the geek stuff, I know that I have Dutch listeners to this show. To I've got a lot of people from the Netherlands watching the mass, the English mass, and are following me on YouTube. That is why I'm not worried that stepping away from these very Catholic Dutch uh, projects is going to all of a sudden cut off the, uh, the, the Dutch part of my life. I don't think that's the case. The people that I want to reach in the Netherlands are uh, are able to, to follow me in English as well. And the uh, final thing, and I'm going to end this. Oops, I've got some mail here. I don't have my own mailbox, so I'll just drop it in front of my door. i got another letter from the place where I bought my glasses a few years ago and they keep telling me you're old you're turning blind you need more glasses come and buy one pair all right let me close this curtain here uh what was I saying um I was making a point about those English productions Ugh, my brain is a bit fuzzy I don't know what it was. Uh, oh, well, no. Anyway, it escapes me. But uh, just knowing this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to stop doing, I think will uh, 
we'll we'll make sure that what we do we do it extremely well. And uh, of course, the proof is in the pudding. It all depends on uh, what we see happening in the community. You're part of that, so your feedback is extremely important to me. Um, but uh, there you go. Now you're up to date with uh, my current thought process. And uh, I'm going to go post those uh, smileys on the trees now on, on Instagram. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And uh, stay healthy. Take good care of yourself and your loved ones. And we'll talk soon. Ciao.